Bring it in, read option pod back after a wild weekend of college and NFL football, and we have the whole crew together to break it all down. Go over the games. Uh, we are all terrible at picking games is what we've learned this year, but I think as a, as a country, we are terrible at picking games because the NFL makes no sense. College football makes no sense with the exception of Georgia and Ohio State, and uh I don't know. Football, I don't think, has ever been better. I like it when no one knows anything. It makes every single Saturday and Sunday that much more exciting. So, boys, Vito back from uh, from the IR. He was hurting last week. <laughs> Good to have it. him back. And uh, Scotty's back from Maine. So, boys, how are we doing? Good, man. Um, yeah, better now. Had to take the week off of work and everything. It was one of those sicknesses. Not COVID, but one of those, like you said, I, I've been keeping testing myself to see if it's a lingering positive. But seems to be good. And, uh, you know. Hopping back on the uh, travel bandwagon later this week. Let's do it. Actually, it. Scott, I'm heading to I'm heading to New Orleans uh, tomorrow. Oh God, good luck, yeah, buddy. For a for work what? conference, which oh, is weird geez. because I've only been there for bachelor <laughs> parties and had like the you know ratchet times, and now I'm about to show up in like business casual and like talk. Bi- I'm like, dude, let's go to Bourbon Street and get three for Hello. one lights. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Three for what? Nine for three was it? Was, was that the deal? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, but yeah, it breaks down to that. <laughs> yes, uh, man, I, that's awesome. I, I hope you have a good time. Uh, enjoy, uh, because that town, wow, does you dirty. And you know what else does you dirty is betting on all the games that you have, like me. And you keep saying no, this is gonna pan out. Keep keep fighting the good fight. And uh, so far, uh, no go. Luckily, I'm playing with house money, but. All the more games to bet on because, boys, we are at Sports Equinox. It's true. Football is in the throes. Basketball <clears throat> opening night is when you're listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, baseball is in the middle of deep into the middle of the playoffs. Hockey is started. Uh, if you're into soccer, we're in dead in the middle of the season. And if you follow the MLS, I don't know why you would, but they're in the playoffs too. Like it's it's wild, man. I love it. It's it's my favorite time of the year. And you know. What the epicenter of uh, this sports? What would what, you call it again? What was the phrase you used? Sports equinox. Your yeah. sports equinox there. The city of Philadelphia. The, that's, that's right. The city right. of Philadelphia is in the center of this sports equinox. The Philadelphia Phillies in the NLCS. Unreal. I mean, who, had, who didn't have San Diego and Philly on their uh, on their NLCS card at the start of the season, right? Uh, uh, not Dave Roberts. No, definitely, definitely not. <laughs> guaranteed there that the Dodgers would be there. I mean, I I have friends who are Atlanta fr- fans. I have friends who are Mets fans. I have fans, friends who are Nats fans. Obviously, you hate the Dodgers more than anybody. So all of uh, like pretty much all of the people who typically would hate the Phillies have actually been relatively supportive. The Nats fans, not so much because of Bryce. But other than that, you know, we will take all the support we can get. And then Philly, a uh, huge win on Sunday night. Uh, despite their best efforts to try to piss it away there in the third quarter, uh, they found a way to hold on. So Philly is, is alive. Well, Flyers are 2-0. Mm-hmm. Sixers tip off Tuesday night against the Celtics. A lot of buzz around the uh, the Sixers. So, yeah, man, who knows? Philly, best sports town in America right I've, now. I've already put in my future bet. I told you guys yesterday in our group chat uh, that if Philadelphia went, if the Eagles went to 6-0 and after beating the Cowboys, and I put in my future for the Sixers to at least make the conference finals. Maybe the finals. We'll see. But I've got I that like future it. in already. 
Yeah. No, no I, we, I like it. No, and, and to build on that, like, so I went to the Eagles game last night and beads there in the owners, but like the, he's hanging out. Some of the Philly Pardon? players, like oh, this has been going on. Like the Philly players were there last time and some boxes behind us. And there was like a bro, like during a timeout, a Phillies champ broke out um, over at their game. You'll see the other players like uh, Grant Calcaterra, friend of the pod tight end for the Eagles. Right. He was saying, dude, this like the sports teams feed off each other. 100%. They're texting each other. Like, dude, come to our game. Like, it's almost like you're back in college or there's like this Olympic round rob, like whatever yeah. it is. But it's like the city is behind this ultimate push between like, you know, the best team in the NFL a crazy run in the playoffs. And like you said, hockey's starting off hot, but then like at least well, flyers are here, terrible. Yeah. yeah flyers they're, are terrible, they're, so. Everyone knows it's not going to last, but then, but then but we'll take it for now. Yeah. yeah. So cool. No, it's, it's been amazing. It's, it's so fun when that city and obviously look, obviously I'm biased, but I think like even like AJ Brown after the game last night was like, that was the best environment I've ever played in in my life. And that's a dude who's you know, played at Ole Miss, which is an all it's, one of the best venues in college football and played on Dude. some good teams at Ole Miss too. Like uh, obviously Tennessee's got really good fans, but like Sunday night football in Philadelphia after the Phillies clinched to get to the NLCS and Meek Mills on the sideline, singing, dream, rapping dream, uh, dreams and nightmares to get the whole crowd fired up. I mean, like you could feel it through the TV. Like it's, it's, it's just a different breed, man. When Philly's rolling, it's a different breed. I've never seen this before in an NFL stadium. I've, I've gone to a, good number of NFL games during that Eagles game last night or two nights ago, when you're listening on Sunday night, not all three levels of the stadium, everyone was standing the whole time. I've never seen that. It's unreal. It wasn't like people were sitting down and standing up on third downs. Like people were just standing the whole game. It was, yeah. ins- I've never seen an NFL game like it. It was insane. I, I loved it, man. It was, it was totally a, like a college environment. The Dallas sucks chance. We're going all week here. It was crazy, man. Love this. Well, they Love do. <laughs> yes. Well, da- I mean, look, they, they gave their uh, their darndest effort. And uh, I would say normally we start with Thursday night football. I recap some of it on Friday's pod. I don't think we need to talk anything more about that awful game between Washington and Chicago. So nope, they stink. <laughs> let's let's start a little unusual and let's start from Sunday. We'll hit the two biggest games from Sunday night and Sunday afternoon, and then we'll work through the rest of the schedule. Uh, Eagles Cowboys was a, it was a really Great game in the second half, right? If you're an objective viewer, you don't have a dog in the fight. That first half comes out. The Eagles should have been up 28 to three or 28, nothing really like right out of the gates. They failed to convert on a couple of that. I mean, they got a little sloppy there in the first half. The Eagles continuing this run of dominating the second quarter, the defense, absolutely. The secondary absolutely confused the shit out of Cooper rush. This was the first time Cooper rush really looked like in over his head, which a credit to him considering how he started his career um, and, and coming in as a backup and, and winning, you know, four straight starts to get the, the Cowboys to four and one. Um, and the Eagles were feeding off the energy. Like you could feel it, but then they go down, they, the Cowboys kick the field goal before half and you're going in. And I remember I was sitting on the couch last night, just being like, you know what? I don't feel great about this still. Like it's the Cowboys until like, until there's zeros on the clock. I just don't feel great. I didn't like how easily they moved the ball down there um and turpin the kick returner for dallas and holy shit is that dude fast he is so good yeah like he's the best player last night (laughs) yeah he honestly he was he's the only guy i've ever seen that like jumps off the field speed wise like tyree kill yeah no he's twitchy in person in person we were watching it's one of those things where you see everyone running the sideline and you're like oh he's running out and then all of a sudden you look up and he's 
20 yards down the field and you're like, how did he turn that corner so fast? Yeah. Like he, tra- it's his ability to put his foot in the ground. It, it was, it was incredible. And, and that whole Dallas side, like to your point, okay. Going into half Eagles felt good, but we know this song and dance this season, right? Eagles have not been as good point differential in the second half as the first by far. And when the Cowboys come out and score first, and then the second drive they had when they scored that second touchdown in the fourth quarter, the drive started in the third. What was crazy about that drive was that's where that um, block in the back that they picked up the oh flag. Oh my God, dude. I didn't get that. And I got to say, everyone was like very confused there. I don't know if you guys heard anything on the TV. Oh yeah. No, the broadcast, it. the broadcast, uh, I forget whoever the, the rules analyst for NBC is, is a Terry McCauley. Um, whoever that yeah, the NBC guy is, it is Scotty. Awesome. Um, he was like, they, they were all blown away. Like it okay. was complete. Like what the hell? Why did they pick that flag up? Um, made no sense. The, the, honestly, the, the tipping point in this game was Lane Johnson getting, con- getting the concussion and leaving the game. It was. That, that was the little bit of spark that just the Eagles all of a sudden couldn't really throw the ball. And even ahead, it's like you notice on the first couple of drives for Philly, it was getting the ball out quick, right? It was one, two, one or two step drops after the snap and fired your, you know, AJ Brown, Devontae, and they were able to move the ball well, and they started mixing in a little bit runs. But on that opening drive, I think they ran, they threw the ball, which they inevitably punted. But I think they threw the ball eight times and then ran the ball like Scotty's counting them now. Um, yeah, I'm looking but, at the play-by-play. Play. <laughs> but it was like the run-pass ratio on, on the first drive was like six pass plays to one run play. And they came out throwing, and it worked until Lane Johnson got out because credit where credit's due, like – Micah Parsons is a monster. Like he absolutely mm-hmm. is. He was rule. He was basically ineffective against Lane Johnson, yeah. which, you know, everyone wants to well, go after, you know, shout out the defensive player. I get it. It's more flashy watching him do all that. But Lane Johnson is so fucking good. He hasn't allowed yeah. a sack in over two years. Like, like I was almost, I actually think it might've been even longer than that. I think it was like the Jacksonville game in London. So and I don't even think he, he let up a quarterback hit in like, He's one in two years. It's insane. It's yeah. something that you would be like, yeah. this is a 99 overall creative player in Madden. Yeah. And he, and like. he was, he was whooping up on Micah Parsons and they were doing some creative things too, where they were leaving him untouched and basically made him be the read guy for Jalen hurts, which when you, a lot of times when you do that, you queue, you can queue up the read guy to be one of the best players on a defense. And no matter what you're doing, you're reading off of him. So you're always going away from them. Right. Micah Parsons bites well, on the, on the running back. Hertz takes it and has the open they, lane. He stays on. They Hertz even went after it off. They even went after him at some points too. There was a fourth and three play where they where they got it to uh, to AJ Brown where it yeah. was they keyed on on Micah Parsons. He didn't dip. Hertz rolls out, and, and Parsons basically dared Hertz to run. And on the sweep was AJ Brown coming out of the out of the backfield. Yeah, uh, and to pick up the first down on fourth down. It was it, it was stuff like that that just it, that and then that that touchdown drive. Uh, in in the third quarter, uh, right after the the Cowboys scored their second, yeah, the decision making, the the game management from Jalen Hurts, this is all stuff everybody was talking about in the preseason. That's the biggest difference on offense, yeah, uh, to me. <clears throat> what I love is they found a way to incorporate what they did last year that made them successful down the stretch in with this newly developed Jalen Hurts, where yeah, 
that drive that they went down where I think they burnt like eight minutes off the clock, scored the touchdown, methodical, like just big boy smash mouth football. Yeah, that's what 13 plays, 70 yard drive for uh, seven and a half minutes. Yeah. Like that's the a fourth too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was at the start of the fourth quarter. Yeah. That was a massive, massive drive. And that's what they did a lot last year in the games against the saints. And some of the other ones were like Philly who started two and five, that's how they made the playoffs, but they've, been able to keep that core of what made them good and being able to run the ball whenever they want, even with three backups on the offensive line at one point, they were still able to dominate the run. And that's the one thing that this Cowboys defense for as good as they are and have been this year, they're not particularly good against the run. Like you can get after them by just pushing it up the middle. If you have the guys to do it and Philly does, which is a huge advantage. That's what made it so surprising that they were able to throw the ball as effectively when Lane Johnson was in as they were, because you, you basically minimize Demarcus Lawrence with Jordan Mailata and then Micah Parsons with Lane Johnson on the other side, and that pass rush doesn't become as dangerous as it was before. Now, this offensive line was impressive. Did you hear Chris Collinsworth's call? Yeah. That was uh, – Yeah. How about – what, what do you say? A little bit of Jack Driscoll coming down your throat? No, it was – it was uh, this is a little bit of Landon Dickerson just you oh, know, coming right down your throat. And you're like, dude, Dickerson with that. What a, what a call, Chris. I mean, you're just getting aggressive there, but uh, no, like, here's a guy line, who <laughs> right? both lines were really impressive. I thought that's the one thing that I didn't think I would see out of Dallas. They were able to run the ball pretty well. Yeah. Um, especially in the second half. And they could uh, to your point about the, the play differential, man, I just don't get, I thought the Eagles would push it a little more in the third because they had success and they really didn't. Um, they yeah. kind of go into this, run heavy and that that wasn't what they did in the first but hey they they moved the ball they won the game um but i totally get as a fan how you're watching i was with a lot of fans they're just like what are we doing you know well but, they were just trying to protect driscoll i mean honestly yeah. like when he had to go in for my against the jaguars josh allen torched his ass and josh allen's really really good but micah parsons is even more special than than that so mm. a lot of it i think was hey a we need to control the ball and one of the things that I love about this Eagles team is they pick up momentum and energy by a five-yard run where, you know, Jason Kelsey knocks the living shit out of Demarcus Lawrence. Like, that gets this team going just as much as a, as a deep ball for to Quez Watkins for 50 yards, which honestly is like a team that that gets excited about beating the shit out of other teams. Like, that's, that's a maul. Those are maulers, dude. Like, those are dudes who aren't afraid to fuck around. Those are dudes who late in the season, that, that's like Tennessee's MO where they yeah. just like late in the year, just start running all over you. And that's what they have. And the backs three deep are looking good, man. Sanders yeah. is looking good. Obviously Gainwell and Boston Scott had himself a nice, like couple plays there. Yeah. I don't know. I can live without Boston Scott being in the Me game. Too, but... I know Philly loves him and I know he's been great against like the giants. He has like eight touchdowns against the giants. It's really weird. Um, and he look as a, as a as a guy who gets like five snaps a game or something like that. I don't hate it, but yeah, it's, it was too much. It was too much Boston Scott for me last night. Uh, I will say, and you brought this up, Vito. The offensive line for Dallas, I was really impressed with in the second half in particular. It was a bad game for the Eagles' defensive line. That that Dallas O line, like Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat, like you're going up against a rookie out of Tulsa and Tyler Smith. Like I know he was a first round pick, but like you should be you should be beating up on that kid. Um, especially without Tyron Smith in that lineup. Like, and, and they were not getting any push up front. And when they decided to start running the ball with, with Zeke and, and Tony Pollard up the middle, like they were kind of able to do what they want. The reluctance yeah. to play Jordan Davis is really, really frustrating. Um, and what's interesting is uh, Ben Solak, who uh, is a writer, I believe, for the, the Ringer, um, he was taught, he's an Eagles fan too, but he was uh, talked about 
Dallas seemed to have picked up on Jordan Davis typically only plays on their five man front, uh, which is like the run stuffing front. And when they're not in the run stuff, uh, when he's not in the game, they they're running a four man front, but they tried to disguise it. So all of those play action passes to the tight end to like Jake Ferguson. And, and I think CD lamb caught a big one later too. Those were basically reading on whether or not Jordan Davis was in the game. (laughs) If Jordan Davis is in the game, they're running, they're running the ball. So we're going to run play action bootleg off of this. And it was a read from the quarter. It was a read from Cooper rush at the line of scrimmage, which I, which is like, damn, like either Jordan Davis is, I mean, and he's still like a top 10 graded defensive tackle already according to PFF. But if it's that bad that he can't play in a four man front and you're tipping that much, that simple, like naked bootlegs out and, and you're running like basic flood route concepts to, you know, stretching across the field and you're getting torched for 20 yards by backup tight ends. Like, all right, then maybe, maybe we need to figure out a different way to incorporate Jordan Davis. That isn't so obvious. Um, that being said, when he wasn't in the game, Fletch was, did not have a good game. A lot of guys on the interior defensive line for the Eagles didn't have a good game. Cause white flies all over the field. I love that dude, man. He's been a great ad. Uh, and then the other thing too, is this secondary. I mean, secondary. You add, add another three interceptions, two from sauce Gardner. Um, who got hurt early in the game, came back and basically made the play. He plays for the Jets. Did I say sauce? What? (laughs) CJ Gardner. uh, I always fuck uh, up his nickname. It's like, was it C? uh, It's something deuce. uh, I don't know. He's got a weird, he's got a weird nickname. The the entire team in terms of like the defensive backs, man, they looked great. Yeah. James Um, Bradbury is the best $2 million he ever spent. Yeah. And, and Jesus, what a bargain. Up. It was the tips. <laughs> it was the coverage. It was the picks. Obviously, the um, at the end, that second pick that he had uh, was incredible. I mean, yeah. going out with an injured hand, coming in and reaching down and pulling that ball up. That uh, was Vito, incredible you were thing. You were in the stadium. That's t- Bradbury slipped. That was a touchdown. That was the one play the D-line actually got home to Cooper Rush and hit him as he was releasing it. Yeah. And it floated the ball up a little bit. And... Yeah, Gardner Johnson made uh, CD Deuce. That's his nickname, CD okay, Deuce. CD Deuce. Um, he's the he ended up making a huge play, but that was a touchdown. If Brandon Graham gets there a half second later, yeah, and, and so the Eagles got a little bit lucky on that one for sure. But yeah, absolutely massive, massive play. Uh, I so fun, fun stat here. I saw number one and number two cornerbacks in the NFL for opposing quarterback quarterback rating. Mm-hmm. against them minimum of like 25 targets Darius Slay and James Bradbury wow number one and number two in the NFL right now and how much do you think like and this goes back to the like and and we'll probably talk about the other side here in a sec but like that goes back to the offseason what we talked about bringing in AJ Brown and having weapons that you're like iron sharpens iron 100%. that is why these guys but on both sides are doing well is because they're both playing very high quality people in practice in the second string the depth on the Eagles is impressive. And, and we were talking about this last night. The crazy thing is they loaded up on picks in case Jalen didn't work out, right? And they could do a bunch of stuff next year. But you're keeping Jalen at this point. So uh, oh, yeah. guess what? You're loaded up with two first rounds in the next two years. Is that correct? So they have uh, the Saints first round pick this year, which if the season ends, ended today would be the number five overall pick. Damn. And the Saints don't look like they're getting any, any better anytime soon. So I'm hoping for the Saints to keep losing. And who knows, maybe the Eagles get a shot at like a Will Anderson or somebody like that at the top of the draft. Because the quarterbacks are still going to go, you know, one and two next year more than likely. So 
I, I don't know, man. I, the Eagles are in an unbelievable situation. I don't know if they have another first rounder after 2023. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, it's a young team that has a lot of their core pieces already signed. There's going to be some guys like Miles Sanders is coming up. TJ Edwards is coming up. Kazira White was a one-year deal. Obviously, Bradbury is a one-year deal. And someone will pay him a lot of money to go be a number one somewhere after this year. So they're going to lose some pieces. But at the same time, like, it's hard It's hard to not love the core of this team. The, the schedule the rest of the way, I mean, they have the Steelers, the Texans, the Colts, I think, are their next three games. And then they play uh, Green Bay at one point. Green Bay doesn't look particularly good. Um, it's crazy. And, and I'm still waiting on the letdown game. But we just keep seeing this team win different ways. Every single game has been a different style of, of win. And as Jalen Hurts keeps saying after every game, like, we haven't put a complete game together yet. And right. that's that's the scary part with this offense, right? I mean, uh, there's so many weapons. Like, Quez is is a dynamic deep ball guy, and they've, he's only had, like, 10 targets this year because they haven't needed to between Goddard and A.J. Brown and Devontae. And then Miles has had by far his best season as an Eagle so far. So I, as long as the offensive line and everyone stays healthy, the Eagles are going to be a factor. And, and as much as I, I hate to say it, the Cowboys will too. I mean, the Cowboys defense is good. They can run the football. The offensive line is good. Um, but I am curious, right? They've simplified their offense so significantly with Dak being out. If Dak comes back next week, which, would, which is when he's like scheduled to come back, how much of the offense from Cooper Rush do they keep? Because it's hard to argue that it hasn't been successful. And if they try to get too cute with it and try to do what they did against Tampa Bay in week one when Dak looked awful, this team may not be the same. I mean, their identity so far that's gotten them to four and two has been, and honestly, four and one considering, you know, game one, you know, Cooper Rush came in. This Cowboys team needs to keep doing what they're doing, running the ball, work play action off of it and let your defense be the star of the team because that's what it is that's who they are yeah and on the upside for them they have chicago and houston i think are their next two so yeah uh, that'll ease uh and then a buy so i think that'll ease dak into the into the offense but uh at the same time you can also say that you'll have no idea what they're going to look like because they won't be playing a good team like maybe the offense will look a lot like it did in week one and it'll be successful because they're playing two not so great teams uh, so, you know, I, I think you're right, Jeff. And I think there needs to be a commitment at one end or, or the other, whether you're going to commit to the run, commit to the pass and, and let the defense do its thing, because, uh, otherwise uh, they're, they're in trouble because they're look they're to be blunt, their head coach is not that dynamic. Yeah. And, and that's been well-documented over the years, uh, that he's been in the league. So, uh, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They, they need to commit somewhere. It'll be interesting. Eagles sitting at 6-0, and going into the bye week. Two weeks to get everybody healthy. Hopefully they get Lane back for the next game and this next stretch, and we'll see if the birds can keep on uh, trucking here. All right, let's talk Brian. about – There you go. Uh, let's talk – I, I was going to say that, but that was a little too – was a little too, like, Laura Rutledge, you know, like on NFL Live, right? I, I didn't mm -hmm. want to do, like, yeah. that toss out. Um, or maybe Sam Ponder. Uh, all right, let's talk about the other game that everyone was excited for here. And honestly, more people were more excited about this game, um, honestly, including myself. Bills, Chiefs. Um, excuse me. Ooh. I thought I had a sneeze there. Uh, Bills, Chiefs. Huge redemption. <laughs> huge redemption game here for the Bills after everything that happened in the AFC Divisional round. Uh, this game was awesome. And what I loved about it was it was completely different than the game you know, we saw six or eight months ago. 
Um, both quarterbacks played really well, but both defenses clearly are better than they were last time they played. Uh, the biggest difference here uh, was Von Miller. Like Von Miller yeah. was the big Huge. difference maker here for Buffalo. And you could feel the pressure and just going up against a really good offensive line in Kansas City, too. It's not like Kansas City has a battle. I couldn't say he has probably the second best offensive line in football behind Philadelphia once everyone's healthy. So Von Miller being like almost vintage Von Miller again is terrifying. The Bills had a couple of scares there, the game against Miami, and then obviously <laughs> – the, uh, the comeback against the the Ravens that they pulled off. But this was like the big win. This was the, the big win. It's going to de- determine a lot of stuff down the line, like playoff implications, home field home advantage field. stuff. Yeah. Like this is a game that we're going to be referencing for the rest of the season. Um, and it felt that way. It felt like a playoff game from start to finish. Uh, the one interesting thing here is I haven't felt all season like the Chiefs have missed Tyreek Hill. <laughs> And I thought going into this game that this would be the first time because I thought it would be close. It didn't really feel that way. It felt like Buffalo just played better defensively than they had any other time I'd seen them. I mean, holding this Chiefs offense to 20 points with how well they had been cooking between Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS and some of the guys they brought in, like it really wasn't all that dissimilar to the dynamic offenses we've seen from Kansas City in the past, just different faces, different names. And yet the Bills, they put Matt Milano on a, on a QB spy basically the whole game uh, and ended up making a couple plays at the end. And then Josh Allen does Josh Allen shit and leaps over cornerbacks to pick up huge first downs in the fourth quarter. It was it was an electric game. I loved it. Yeah, it was so wild, too. At one point in the third quarter, it's tied 17-7. They throw, they're throwing uh, numbers up at the bottom third where the score is 53 offensive plays for each team. 369 yards on offense for each team and it's tied 17, seven. And and it was, it was like Mahomes and, and, and Allen had similar stats. They were both like at that point, like 21 of of 35 or something like that for 200 and something yards. It was ridiculous. How, like how close that game actually was for it to be also tied on the scoreboard uh, is, is one thing obviously, but a lot of times there's a different story behind that, but that was truly like one of the, the closest games that I've ever watched. The um for me going back to that defensive side, there were some surprise Bills contributors. Like I don't know if you guys saw Demar Hamlin uh come in, dude. Like first of all, I've loved this kid. This kid is a guy who Scotty, we missed out at Penn State. You went to Pitt over Penn yep. State, and <laughs> great choice. recruit. Um, sorry, I mean, Vic. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm a huge stater, but uh, they've produced some pretty damn good pros, including. <clears throat> Some guy named uh, Aaron Donald's not that good. Aaron Donald, yeah. So, uh, but the thing about Hamler, he, Hamlin, he came in <laughs> seven tackles, led the team, and contributed as a rookie, sixth round pick rookie. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it, it's awesome hey. to see what he's done. Um, obviously, Terrain Edmonds, like that defense. To your point, Kyrie Elam played well too. I, I just that was the, to me the takeaway was like this defense and and in the Bills' fairness too what they were able to do to keep Chris Jones had a sack, but like they did a, a pretty good job overall, both in the game plan and in protection, just on straight passing plays to keep, you know, that, that whole crazy front out of Josh Allen's face. Yeah. I, I was really, I mean, it felt like Buffalo had just wave after wave of defensive linemen coming in. You know, it felt like they were like, Oh yeah, this guy hasn't played all, all game, but yeah, he's a pro bowler. We're going to bring him in now. You know, like that's how it looked. Like if you didn't know, and 
it was it was a constant barrage of pressure towards Mahomes. I felt like Mahomes was having to be he was never comfortable the whole game, but Mahomes kind of thrives under that, which at the end of the fourth quarter and big moments like that's one thing. When you have to do that for the whole game, that means that you're actively affecting him in the way that he's able to, to deliver the football and the Buffalo just they look really, really good. And I don't know if the two games Miami and Baltimore scared them enough or if they feel like they've kind of gotten their shit together a little bit. Uh, obviously, Gabe Davis has flourished a lot more this year than I think I was anticipating. Um, but I don't know, man. I, in my eyes, these are the two best teams in football. Like, n- no shade to the, to the Eagles or anything. I just I think these are the two best teams in football. I, the, the two best quarterbacks in football, two great offensive lines, two really good defenses, two really good head coaches. Um, just really, really well, evenly matched teams. And I, I hope that this is the AFC championship game. Because if there's, if there's one thing about the NFL that's true this year, it's the same thing in our fantasy league, right? If you look at it, was it the top? There's like one team was 5-0, and oh, one team was 4-1, and one, one team was 3-2 and two in our league, and everyone else was 2-3. and three. That's kind of how the NFL feels, right? Where there's like a few teams at the top that we're like, we know are good. And then everyone else is like, I don't know if you're good. I don't know if you're bad. I know the Panthers are bad. I thought the Steelers were bad, and yet they came out and beat Tampa Bay right? Like, I don't know who's good and who's bad. Seattle was supposed to be bad. They're three and three. Yeah. Uh, this, this whole year, I mean, the Raiders looked bad and then they almost beat Kansas city on Monday Packers night. Like, are the Packers, not good. Are, are the Packers good? <laughs> are they not? I don't like, yeah. Nobody knows anything. The Rams, are they good? I, I don't know. It's and so they, weird. Outside of all of that, the bills are five and one after this game. Chiefs are four and two. And yeah. though, that's the records of the giants and the jets. Yes. Like that, it, to your that point, who the hell is good? How, I have no idea because I still don't believe the Giants are good. And yet Me they either. keep winning. But they're, they're so, yeah, they're so well coached. Is, and, as and Marcel says. So. Exactly. And, and we'll get to the Giants in a little bit. Yeah, they are really worth talking <laughs> about. There's not a lot of talent on that team. They really hadn't played anybody that good until Green Bay last week. And then they come back and beat them in London. You're like, all right, well, how good is Green Bay? As we found out, maybe Green Bay is not that good. And then they play Baltimore, who we all thought was really good. And then they come back and beat Baltimore at the end of the game. So, I mean, if there's one thing about that Giants team, it's that they're really well coached. But objectively speaking, there are te- like even the Eagles are six and zero. I don't know how close the Eagles are to these teams' levels. I, they could be close. They they could be right a hair underneath it. I think the Eagles are one of the best teams in the league right now. But these two are in their own category. Yeah, well, I mean, that, luckily they're on the AFC side for you guys, right? But yes. I mean, for real, like on the NFC side, it's it's definitely a little more open. Um, I think you're right. These are the two teams here on, on the AFC side that like at the end of the year, you're going to go through one of these two teams. So yeah. Um, yeah. And we went through this whole diatribe in the preseason about how like difficult it is to going to be to get through the AFC. And I still think it will be at the end of the day, but like these two right now are a tier above uh, when we thought that <clears throat> at this point we'd have, we'd have a couple of teams that were four and one or four and two, five and one, six and oh even um at the the top of the list there in the afc and uh and that is not panned out particularly in the afc west that is not panned out so uh so yeah I, like it's it's gonna be wild i did see a tiktok jeff you'll you'll love this veto you will too that was like if it's a buffalo philadelphia super bowl that there yeah. is no chance that there the u.s has the infrastructure to support that in, Ariz- in arizona of all places yeah. too yeah yeah no. real it, just mention that I think the Bills, though, 
hear me out, Jeff. And I love your take on this. You're talking about this last night. I think the bills are the only team that Philly fans wouldn't be a, as like crazy aggressive with. Cause they'd be like, Oh, these guys party let's drink with them all right. If it was a super bowl week, I feel like they'd party together. Then when the game until the game, maybe a regular season game, if it's the super bowl, I don't know, man, I don't see Philly. I don't see Philly, you know, being that way. I think there's a mutual respect, but then it's like, Hey, once we get onto the field, I mean like, Hey, I, I told the story about the Buffalo bills hat, right? Like yeah. I have, I have my bills hat. I love, I, I root for Buffalo, if not for the Eagles, but Dude, I don't know if it's, it's a, a Super prophecy, Bowl, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. How funny would that be if that's the end? If that's the end result, that'd here? be a great end result. I'd watch that. So, but I don't know. I just, I, I mean, and not to you know toot my own horn here, but when we did our previews here, I feel like I pretty much nailed the AFC, which is I thought the two best teams are going to be Kansas City and Buffalo, and I thought Kansas City was still going to be the best team in the AFC West, and. Yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty much how it's been. Now there have been. And you said Denver was going to suck, and we've I, sucked. <laughs> I did. I did say that. I tried to be nice about it, but yeah, you didn't I mean, say it like was, that. Yeah, but yeah, you were correct. <laughs> like I was wrong about the Colts, but now the Colts are three and two, right? And you know, Matt Ryan threw fifty-eight passes on Sunday. Um, and no one saw the Jets coming, right? Like that one. That one was all completely out of left field. But it's just a, it's a weird season. And to your point. We were talking about like, hey, it still might be hard to get out of the AFC, and it, it's not a given that's going to be Bills Chiefs. The one thing we've seen so far about the NFL this year is there's more parity in this league right now than there's ever been. And what's so fascinating is like, this is the first time in a, in a few years that I'm like really listening to guys like like Dan Orlovsky, who always gets really like in the weeds about stuff. And I love doing that, but you can't spend all your time doing that because you'll kind of miss a lot of stuff. But he does such a good job of explaining it. And he's brought up a bunch of different points about like teams that are having more success offensively or running things under center now. Um, and just like small little things that I, I kind of kind of sitting here like, man, I don't, I don't know why there's so much parity this year. I don't know why the Rams look so bad. I don't know why Tampa Bay or green Bay can't move the ball. And there's some changes like Devonte Adams, which obviously is like yeah. a big change, but altogether like Tampa Bay losing to Pittsburgh, like explain that shit to me. Cause that makes no sense. That, other than it's the nfl right and the nfl's got that much talent um that's what we love yeah but buffalo and kansas city um it was great it lived up to the hype i mean nothing's gonna live up to the hype of maybe one of the best football games any of us have ever seen in our lifetime uh but that's a pretty good like for, considering regular season game like that, that was that was pretty good yep. um all right let's move on here let's talk about the san francisco 49ers and the atlanta falcons no, do we have to <laughs> you're just going down the order man this is the first one on my list and all i'll right. say I would love to talk about this one, actually. Yeah, I, I want to dive into it. Uh, Falcons well, win 2014. Uh, we'll get Scotty's thoughts here. Uh, I took Atlanta this week. Um, I had no idea why. 6-0 against the spread this year. 6-0. They're looking to be the first team to ever go 7-0 and against the spread. Um, this Falcons team is is really fun, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's so weird, but, like, I really enjoy watching them play football. They are gritty. They're tough. They're well-coached. They run the ball. Mariota was 13 of 14 today with two touchdown passes. Um, I think he ran one in two. So they're just finding he ways did. to win. Uh, the black uniforms with the red helmets, fucking sick. Yeah. Sick combination for the Falcons. But this kind of goes into what we were just talking about there and just like no one knows anything about the NFL and who's good and who's mediocre. And where so, the amount of three and three teams or three, two and one teams in the NFL right now is, is staggering. Um, 
this was a big win. Now for the Niners, look, defense, a lot of guys out on, on the defensive side. Seven starters. Them. Yeah. That, that's decimation. Uh, they stayed out on the East Coast, had back-to-back East Coast games. They stayed in West Virginia, right, uh, at that big football complex that the Saints do their training camp at. Um, so for the Falcons, like, I felt like they had an advantage coming in here. Spread was what? What was it, five and a half in this one? Yeah, five. So Atlanta was a five-point underdog at home. Um, but this was kind of that classic, like, Jimmy G letdown game. Played really well a few weeks in a row. You know, they beat the shit out of uh, who they play last week, Scotty, that the Carolina, right? Carolina beat the shit out yeah. of Carolina and then come back and they, they you know, it, had a little bit of a laydown game. It, it wasn't even if I'm being honest, it, it wasn't even Jimmy's fault. He threw some dimes that got yeah. dropped a lot. Uh, running backs can't hang on to the ball. I think Jeff Wilson fumbled again. That's like his third fumble in the last five games. Um and, and again, the defense having seven starters out is killer. Three of them are going to be out for the year. So I, look, th- this is where it all starts to fall apart. Uh, you know, I, we've been plagued by injuries for the better part of a decade, uh, like big injuries for the better part of a decade. So it is what it is. Atlanta played really well. Uh, no, no discredit to them. Um, but you know, seven stars on defense. That's, that's huge. And then the other big thing, which I keep harping on, week in and week out, is that Kyle always tries to get too cute, too fancy, right? We've, we're, we, his offense is centered around the run. It's predicated around the run, the run. We get a fourth and one opportunity when we're down two touchdowns and we're driving. Uh, we're down two touchdowns. We need to get into the end zone to, to, to even have a chance. The king of the run decides to throw a slant pass on fourth and one when the Atlanta Falcons have been playing press man all day long. That does yeah. not make any sense to me. Uh, like that's the kind of little shit that Kyle does during the, the throughout the year that just annoys the hell out of 49ers fans and myself included, but uh, credit to, to the Falcons. They capitalized on, on a lot of the mistakes and, and a lot of the, the weaknesses that we, we had on the, the decimated defense. So a uh, good uh, win by them. I like oh, Mariota too. Well, that's, that's what I can't wait to talk about. Cause this is, this is the Mariota that Tennessee wanted when they drafted him. Yeah. Right. It's, super but they never let him loose. Percentage. <laughs> Well, he never really threw the ball downfield either. It was always yeah. check downs there. And that's what he did here, right? He wasn't over 10 yards in uh, completion, but he had two touchdowns, didn't turn over, and he ran the ball better than anyone on their team. And his decision-making, he's always been good decision-maker, but always on the conservative side. Yeah. I think you're finally seeing him be like, this is my second chance. I need to win games. I can't just not lose them. And this was a game where he actually went out there and won it. And I'm yeah. really proud to see that. I'm so excited to see what we can – like see from his career. Cause I think what you got to remember too, is that he's one of, he's in that favorite quarterback class of mine. It was him and, and Jameis. Yeah. My boys. Uh, and Jameis was always after year two, they're like, this is the guy out of the class. He's the one who hit Mariota didn't. And now you're seeing late in this career later in his career, Mariota, at least getting an opportunity and doing a, more with it than what anyone thought. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I mean, and he was hidden away in, in with the Raiders for the last two years, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone's like, man, is Mariota ever going to get a shot? And he's come in and, and they, I mean, they drafted a quarterback this year that they thought yeah. could potentially be the future of their franchise. And Marcus Mariota has done the exact opposite of what, you know, Mitch Trubisky did, right? Like he's taken the job. He's not even come close to giving it up. One thing I, one of the things I wrote down on my notes watching this game is he's so good at, at the read option, at running the, the handoffs and the read option. Yeah. Like, Everyone talks about that's all they did at Oregon and Lamar. Like, yeah, well, exactly. And it goes back to his college days, but 
he is so good at that. And I will say this, like, I don't think he, either he or Winston they really hit, right? They both end up being solid pros with, with decent careers. Neither one of them ended up being worth a number one or number two overall pick. But what I do love is, is they are just, at least for, for Marcus Mayota, like he is just consistently him. Like he's been this way his whole career, but they are letting the leash out a little bit for him, right? They didn't run a whole lot of the read option stuff in Tennessee with Derrick Henry. Cause that like, that's not really what you want to yeah. be running with Derrick Henry. Derek the ball. Yeah. He's not an inside zone <laughs> runner, right? You need to let him get downhill and, and run the stretch zone reads. Right. And as opposed to these inside zones and running it out of a, a, a shotgun set and Mariota, they've let him kind of do what he did well at Oregon. They let him throw the ball a little bit. Like he's taken some deep shots this year, but everyone who has Kyle Pitts and fantasy knows how frustrating the passing game for Atlanta has been. But this is also a guy in Arthur Smith who knows Mariota, worked with him in, in Tennessee for, for a number of years and is letting him kind of do what he does best. And that's what good coaches do. Good coaches see what you do well, and they empower you and create game plans around it for you to succeed. And it's the same thing that the next game we're going to talk about that uh, they did with their quarterback. But I don't know. I, I love watching this Atlanta team. Arthur Smith is, I think, proving to be a really good head coach given the quality of talent on that roster um, and given the quality of talent at the skill positions, he's gotten every single last drop out of this team. And I know everyone's going to say Brian Dayball should be coach of the year and understandably so, at least to this point, Arthur Smith deserves some serious consideration for that as well, because they've been in every single game against good teams, against bad teams, and they've beaten the bad teams uh, and they've done it in a bunch of different ways. So, Shout out to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, next game up here, the Patriots and the Browns. Does Bailey Zappi take over for Mac Jones? I, by the way, starting next week, I'm, we're going back to what we did last year, which is the burning questions, which each game has a burning question around it. Mm. We're getting back into that because we're getting to the point of the season where it's not. we actually have some information so we can kind of do it again. Yeah. Um, Data separating but, themselves. <laughs> exactly, right? So, But we are here now. Here's a burning question for you. Early one. Does Bailey Zappi take over the draft for Mac Jones? Because it's hard to say no, given what we've seen, but it's also still a small sample size. The answer is definitively yes. Oh, Bailey, Bailey Zappi is Bill Belichick style quarterback. Fourth round draft faker later out of a, well, Tom Brady came from Michigan, but like he's the kind of guy that like fits in this offense, right? Everybody's talking about Mac Jones coming out and he gets to the Patriots and it's like, we, we see him throw a few times and he starts to grow and grow last year. And it's like, Hey, maybe we got the next Tom Brady on our hands uh, because nobody, he, he was like the, the last quarterback in that group that was taken. And everybody wrote him off and it's like, mm, pump the brakes. He went to Alabama. He played at a big program and we knew he was a good quarterback in college. We figured he would be in the NFL. They just didn't let him loose at all because they didn't trust his throwing ability for whatever reason. This is Bill Belichick's guy, Bailey Zappi is a guy who they can run the ball still 30 times a game, uh, but he makes the throws that he needs to make in critical situations when they want to. And when you get more and more confident that way, Bill let you be able to throw the ball. He recognizes that he's not going to have the next Tom Brady. Nobody is because there's, he's a unicorn. Uh, But, but like, this is Bill Belichick's guy. Like, this is the guy that that fits 
the the mold for Belichick more than more than Mac Jones is by far, and I think he is the he is it for for uh, for the Patriots. He is him. For for me, I think I I don't even really care about who's playing quarterback. I'm just more impressed on how the coaching has gone and the amount of points they've scored, no matter who the quarterback is. I mean, especially in the last four weeks, you know, they put up over 26 points each game, this one being 38. We've got to remember a month ago, we're like, is this team going to be the worst offensive team we've ever seen in New England ever? And defensive. Like, yeah. I mean, they had a shutout last week and they put up 38 today. They're finding their way again, again, against the Lions and the Browns who aren't exactly playoff content. But they right shut now. down Chubb like well, on defense. Yeah. I, but still going back on the offensive side, they're actually to get over 300 yards to run the ball pretty decent with your top two guys, man. I, I'm impressed with what new England's done, especially after they didn't make a run after Bill O'Brien in the off season, right? They kept with this, Hey, we're bringing in Joe judge and Patricia, and we're going to figure this out as a team. I think to your burning question, Jeff, I think this at least has something to do with a somewhat controversy in new England where Mac Jones had Josh McDaniels and had a great rookie year. And this is a tough adjustment. And guess what? It kind of favors a guy who's coming in fresh too, being like, all right, we're learning at the same time. We're learning at the same pace. Let's see what happens. And uh, right now, Zappi's looked better. I I think that Mac Jones comes back and starts. But if he doesn't start well, Zappi's a quarterback for the Patriots within two weeks. Yeah. So a lot of people have been quick to jump to the Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady scenario, right? The reason Tom Brady got to play that whole season was because it took almost the entire season plus the first round of the playoffs for Drew Bledsoe to even get medically cleared to play. And then Drew Bledsoe came in and played when Brady got hurt in the AFC championship game and won them, won them the game to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So the fact that Mac Mac Jones is likely only to miss one, maybe two more games, which they're Monday night against Chicago this week. And then they're at the New York Jets, which that will be seemingly a pretty important game to seeing on how this division has kind of started to shake out. Look at the games that they played before this, right? They played Miami, fully healthy Miami. They lost 20 to seven week one. They beat the Steelers 17 to 14, but still gave up 14 points to Mitch Trubisky in that offense. Gave up 37 to Baltimore in week three at home and then lost 27, 24 to Green Bay. Like, Say what you will, but Miami, Baltimore, and Green Bay are all better football teams than Detroit and Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And as good as Bailey Zappi looked like yesterday, and I give the kid a ton of credit. He was a, I think he was a Sanford or a one. He was at an FCS school, Western Kentucky. No, he was at an FCS school <laughs> oh, before oh, oh, yes. transferring to Western <clears throat> Kentucky. Right. One of the big things with Zappi was his offensive coordinator took the job. He, I think it was Sanford, left Sanford. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bless you. Les Sampford to go to Western Kentucky to be the offensive coordinator and Bailey Zappi transferred with him as a grad transfer for his fifth year of eligibility. So a lot of people coming out was like, look, Bailey Zappi broke Joe Barrow's like touchdown record his senior year at Western Kentucky. I think he threw 61 touchdown passes and broke all the passing records. Was that the offense? Was that the offensive coordinator? Or was that Zappi? No one really knew. We bring him in. He's looked good but they've also simplified it a lot. Like they ran the ball really effectively against Cleveland. Cleveland 
I don't think is a good football team right now. I think the defense looks terrible considering the amount of talent that they have on that team. The offense with Jacoby Brissett, like load the box and make Jacoby Brissett be the one to beat you. They did that right off the jump. And on the first possession, like the fourth play, third or fourth play from scrimmage was an interception that Jacoby Brissett threw rolling out to his right. So I thought it was a really good game plan. I felt like once that game against Cleveland, like once they got ahead, it kind of just felt like it was over because they were able to run the ball. And for as good as Bailey Zappi has looked, and he's really fun, and I want to get in on the hype train, I still think Mac Jones is a better quarterback. Mac Jones got you to the playoffs as a rookie with a dog shit roster. Yeah. And a lot of that roster elevation comes from Belichick, but Mac Jones also did a lot for you in big-time moments and won a big-time games as a rookie. And say what you will, Zappi's fun. If Mac Jones was out for another two months, then yeah, I'd say we're probably if Bailey Zappi keeps this up. But if they if the three wins are Detroit, Cleveland, and Chicago, and then Mac Jones comes back, I mean, maybe you keep the hand rolling because that game against the Jets is going to be a big game. But I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem enough for me to switch off and go to to Bailey Zappi, who ob- objectively has played. I mean, twenty four of thirty four from a dude making his second career start, three hundred yards, two touchdowns. It's it's impressive. It's impressive. It and, and the Browns defense is not terrible by any means. Uh, they It was a good game. And um, to your point, uh, these teams are not going to be up there in terms of the skill at the end of the year. So with the Jets, what I could see happening here, Jeff, is that they say, all right, this defensive line is going to be a beast. If Mac Jones is on the fence about coming back with an ankle injury like that, they might even say, screw it, we'll hold you until we play the Colts, which also are a good defensive team. But I don't know, because they have a bye after that Colts game. So they they could end up extending this just to see what's going on. But yeah, I, I don't think by any means it's a I think it's a controversy. I don't think anything any actual it's good for us to talk about, but yeah. I don't think in the Patriots organization they're talking about this at all. I mean, and and maybe it's just because it's it's Dallas and we did it talked with them for a lot of things, but like think about all the Cooper Rush conversations we had. And, and a lot of the big-time media and first take and all those guys had over the last few weeks with Dak being out. And everyone's like, come on, this is ridiculous. And, and again, Dak's more established than Mac Jones. So it made it seem even more absurd. But then you get a Cooper Rush game like last night where he throws three picks and looks terrible in the first half. And that's essentially why Dallas lost the game. So Bailey Zappi, for as good as he's been through two weeks against two, I mean, the worst defense in football so far this year in Detroit – and then a, a defense in Cleveland that has talent but has not been playing well this season at all. I, I don't know, man. Like, I just I, – I, there'll be a Bailey Zappi game where he plays really, really bad, and that'll probably be the end of Bailey Zappi, at least for this year. You know, or he keeps going and it's Tom Brady 2.0 and there's another 20 years and Bill Belichick's 110 and still winning Super Bowls. That could, <laughs> that could also happen. Um, all right, next game here, Jets – and Packers is Aaron Rodgers like is it is this it like is this where it all kind of wraps up here for the Packers I mean it still feels too early in the season to start discounting because it's the same thing with Tampa Bay and Brady but the offense the the, the biggest shocker for me honestly is not the offense I expected the offense to have some growing pains after losing Devontae uh the defense for this Packers team that was supposed to be, I said, I thought would be the best defense in football this year, has been incredibly disappointing. Um, the Jets didn't even play that well. The defense played well, but the Jets' offense didn't even play that well, and yet they still put up 27 points. Um, 
I don't know, man. I, I, at this point, back-to-back losses against the Giants and then at home against the Jets in Lambeau, that's... Oh, for New York. (laughs) Yeah, that's... That's that's starting to get worrisome to me. And I and I love Rodgers, the football player. He's one of my favorite guys I've watched over the last 15, 20 years. But this is concerning, man. Yeah, it feels a little different than the R-E-L-A-X uh, days, right? Where yeah. you knew, you know, you could tell us that and we'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right. You're one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played the game. And he'll go out there and prove it. But he he on the field, Vito, he looks different, right, to me. Is that I, just me? No, he looks it looks like he's um it looks like he's like almost uninterested season or I don't yeah, exactly. It's like it's not and I don't want to say that because you never know what's going through a guy's mind. Yeah, I'm right. not gonna question his commitment, but it it that's part of the appeal why you can't say relax after a mega loss when everyone else is freaking out and he's like, We're fine. Um, I think he probably feels that same way right now, but I mean, obviously, I think we're looking at this offensive side and being like, Man, you're missing you're missing something here and you can do, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. He'll go out there and do what he can, but this is a, uh, I think it's time to get a little concerned here. Cause I think if he had some weapons, he'd be great. Like this is a guy who, if you could rewind in the preseason, instead of maybe making a pick, like this is a team like the Steelers should have made a run at, or a guy Steelers should have made a run at. someone to be like, all right, let's, we have enough receivers. Just get the ball out of your hand quick and don't get sacked. And our defense will win us the game. Like, he's the perfect guy for that. He's what Peyton was at the end of his career. I think we're starting to see that slow down a bit, but he's also, I don't think he's 40 yet. Right. And no, he's 38, 39. Yeah. I, I think he's still got a year or two. He's still going to make some ridiculous. Well, he just throws. signed that massive extension. This I'm yeah. just, and he made like, there was that one throw on the sidelines to Alan Lazard yesterday. That was like vintage Rogers, like just filthy, but mm-hmm. And so I think he still has it in him. Like, I don't think it's like a, Oh, a flash in the pan. Every once in a while, we'll see a throw like that from Rogers. Like I think Devonte Adams slanted the field so heavily that it opened up so many other things. And this team was supposed to be able to come in and run the football and they haven't been able to run the football at all. I mean, there was that one huge Aaron Jones game, but they ran the ball 20 times for 60 yards yesterday. It was like frozen rain in Lambeau. That's that is picturesque. Like, tough nose, hard nose football, pound the rock, get behind your two stud running backs, run behind David Bakhtiari and that great offensive line and, and just bury a team. And yet they threw the ball 41 times to, to the credit of the jets defensive line though, they've played pretty well all season. So for, for them to stuff the run is not out of the ordinary this year. No, that's a good point. Cause that is the bet. I mean, this jets offense, Brees Hall had a huge day, 20 carries for 116 yards. He had the one really long run um, and, and the long touchdown run. He's talk about someone who looked terrible in the preseason who has turned out to be an absolute stud for them. Uh, and between him and Michael Carter, I mean, they definitely have some guys. But like Zach Wilson had a 30, had a 31 QBR yesterday, 10 of 18 for 110 yards, right? Like if you're if you came into that game as the Packers and you say, hey, you're gonna hold Zach Wilson to 10 of 18 for 110 yards. You think you're winning that game, you know? Oh yeah. But credit to the jets. No question. Not trying to take anything away. I just can't tell how much of this is the jets played well, because they definitely did on defense. But again, the offense looked pretty mediocre for most of the day versus the rod the, the Packers just seem lost. Like they, they lost Devante, which Rogers and Devante was the core of their offense last year. And over the last few years, 
And now they're trying to find that identity again. And I still think they'll be able to do that because Rodgers is still that good. I do think LaFleur is a really, really good coach. Yeah. But they have to figure it out soon because the the division's starting to slip away from them. Yeah. Well, the Vikings are playing well too. That's, that's a good point, Jeff. You're right. They won't be, they won't figure it out and be 13 and three. Yeah. Uh, right. They already have the three losses. That's the most that, that LaFleur's lost in a, in a season already. And they got a long way to go. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, they gotta, they gotta figure something out because like all the, the, some of uh, its parts, uh, it, you know, we talked about this in the, in the preseason too. drew the comps to is, uh, are the chiefs going to be okay without Tyreek? Similarly, are the, the Packers going to be okay without Devante? Uh, and we were all like, oh, yeah, well, they got two of the best quarterbacks in the league. They'll figure it out. But somehow the Chiefs are figuring it out better than than uh, than the Packers are. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that goes back to coaching, right? Like Matt LaFleur is a great coach. Don't get me wrong. But Andy Reid, the the job that he and the enemy are doing, particularly on offense, has helped. And then, like you said at the top, the defense for the Packers does not look that good at all. Uh, not nearly as good as we thought we, that it could be. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's really where it comes down to. Um, from one aging quarterback to another one before we take a break, uh, Tampa Bay gets upset by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, man, I mean, look, a Pittsburgh, I, I said this on the picks for, and Scotty, I think you were on with me for week five. I picked the Steelers to cover against Buffalo, right? Because it's like, man, the Steelers, everyone says the Steelers suck. You know, whenever they're a, a, an almost double-digit favorite, which I think they were yeah. nine-point underdogs in this game, right? Tomlin's record is amazing. I was just one week too late on that. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. No, you were I early. Just was, I just picked <laughs> the wrong big team that they were going to be an underdog yeah. to. Um, this is, again, I guess uh, here's a good way of phrasing this question. Are you more concerned about Tampa Bay or are you more concerned about Green Bay? More concerned about Green Bay because yeah. I actually like what the Steelers are doing. I was looking up some PFF stats, and Jeff, you'll love this one. George Pickens is the fourth-rated wide receiver in the NFL and PFF. Interesting. I, right? Like, I, I think what's going to happen here is we're going to see some guys break out and have a have a pretty good run here for the Steelers. I like what they're doing. Um, yeah, they had some turnovers, uh, but th- they're able, when they play a game like this, to, to really beat – a lot of teams because that defense and because of some of how their offense is playing, but it's just nice to see Tomlin, right? He's a guy who's never got under 500. He's got that mist about him, that magic. So I think you're going to, he's going to pull some upsets. Green Bay is like, dude, I'm, I'm worried about the, losing the jets. Yeah. The jets have had a good run, but you got to get your shit together here up in green Bay. I'm way more concerned there because at least Tampa has weapons. You know, that something's going to happen there. Now it did take Tom Brady and all those memes coming out about how, I didn't leave my wife and kids to be down at halftime yeah. to the Steelers. Right. But still like you got to pull it out. They, you know, they didn't. Uh, but what's really nice is that you can see at least with Evans and him, there's that connection still where Rogers it's like, man, I don't know what's going to happen there. I'm, I mean, I'm more worried about Tampa Bay. Really? Yeah. Um, the defense has looked good, but not great. Not as good as they had in the last few years. Um, cannot run the ball at all the offensive line is in complete shambles uh, brady looks completely human. frustrated like yeah i mean maybe maybe <laughs> i mean he does look frustrated but he looks human like it, it's this it, it, he he's he's so frustrated by the entire situation around him 
right? I mean, not just the off the field stuff, the on the field stuff is as bad as it's been in a long time. Um, I, in fact, I don't think this team is all that dissimilar to the, the Pats team that beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, uh, not the first time, the second time in 2018, right? Yeah, the, the that, low scoring game. <laughs> yeah, because that offense for New England wasn't that great that year. That defense was sick. And he had Belichick there kind of championing it all. And look, Todd Bowles is a fantastic coach, but this team can't protect Tom Brady. And he's last in the league in sacks taken, but that's also very misleading because he's also number one in the league and balls thrown away. So Mm. it's kind of the same thing, just a different name, right? And Brady just doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want to hang in the pocket. He doesn't want to sit around, you know, dance around like he has in years past. Chris Godwin still does. I mean, he had a good game this week, but he still doesn't look 100%. He still has some goal line stuff there with Mike Evans. He's got no relationship with a tight end, which is something he's had on his offense every single year he's been playing since they drafted Gronk. I, this offense is terrible. I, I, it's just It just is what it is, and it's not necessarily Brady's fault. I don't think Brady is like all of a sudden falling off a cliff. They got screwed by injuries early on, right, in training camp. They lose Jensen. They lost another – they lost three starting guards – or three guards who would have been starting ahead of the guys they have now – Shaq Mason's there, but he's the only other guy they really have. I don't know, man. This Tampa Bay team is in trouble, and the defense is going to keep them in a lot of games because the defense is really good. But in no world should the talent on that Tampa Bay defense be giving up 20 points to this Steelers team against a rookie quarterback and then against Mitch Trubisky coming in for Pickett, who got a concussion there in the second half. I mean, they Najee Harris only had 42 yards. They put up 211 through the air. Claypool had a monster day. Right. Like Tampa Bay, like yeah. you have that's great just guys one of the, the year, secondary. though. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe. But nonetheless, like that, that even makes it an even more valid point in my eyes. Right. Like, yeah, you you're the team. Really, this awesome Tampa Bay defense is the team that's and they look, they bounced back and played well in the second quarter and, and they kept it close. Second, and third quarter, they pretty much dominated on the defensive side of the ball. But it's a game that Tom Brady should not lose. And, yeah, they scored the touchdown late and they went for the two point and they didn't get it. But. It's a game that Tom Brady – this is twice now this year that they had a chance to tie a game with a two-point conversion, and a Tom Brady-led offense didn't convert. Like, when's the last time that happened? Wow. So, I don't know. Um, The Steelers, though, I mean, nice bounce – I mean, good bounce back from them. I mean, that's what Mike Tomlin does, man. So, that's the kind of shit Mike Tomlin does. It's why he's a really, really good head coach. And Steelers fans calling for his his job, which is funny to me. Um, But – let me the get night, out of here. Pickett looked good, though. I mean, like when, before yeah, he yeah. got hurt, like Pickett was making some plays against a really tough defense. So I, I was impressed. Um, maybe the Steelers have more life in them than we we gave them credit for after starting off one and four. But um, it was a good bounce back game there. Uh, anything else in this game? Nope. No. All right. Well, then let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the rest of the games. We'll touch on a little bit of the madness that was college football this past weekend. And we'll get you guys on to the rest of the week. Continuing on with our week six uh, stuff. I want to start here. Let's go with the other New York team, the New York football giants sitting at five and one. We talked about a little bit in the first half of the pod. Um, At first look before the green Bay game, it was who is this team play, right? Because they really hadn't played anybody. And then they play green Bay At, at that point. We're still under the impression that green Bay is the same green Bay, maybe a little bit worse, but still really, really good. And they come back and win that game. And then they're playing against the Ravens. They're five and a half point underdogs at home. 
Uh, Scotty, you and I both rode heavy with the, with the Ravens in this game. And yet the fucking New York giants with Danny dimes as their quarterback have found a way. And the question, I guess that comes to mind for this game was, I don't, and maybe it's more of a statement or, or I can phrase this question, but I don't remember a first year head coach coming in and being able to change the way that a team is coached in terms of like reception and then how it translates to the field because like culture culture is like it, it is, but like, I'm trying to be more specific because I hate the yeah. word culture. It's like such an easy <laughs> yeah, buzzword yeah. in sports media. And so it's like always show up on the field to your point. It's showing up on the field immediately. It's, yeah. Which is crazy. They're so well coached. It's, it's insane. Like in the small little things, the clock management stuff, the, the, dis- the discipline um, coming up big in the fourth quarter. You know, like how many like high school football movies and TV shows do they always have that dramatic scene where the coach is like running them hard and like it's going to be the end of the fourth quarter and you're going to need this extra juice. Right. And all that kind of shit. Like there is a reason they put that in there because there is, you know, at least a kernel of truth in there. And in this case, it absolutely is. This team in the fourth quarter has been unreal down the line i don't they don't have like the compilation numbers is like everyone's put together for the eagles second quarter mm-hmm. that's basically what the giants have done in the fourth quarter they just keep finding ways to come back and win these games they, they did it against tennessee they did it against green bay and now they did it against the baltimore ravens so i i still don't think they're a good like a really good team because they just don't have a lot of skill i mean saquon being back and looking like saquon is obviously so much fun because he's he's an electric factory when he's healthy mm-hmm. but uh, it's hard for me to to sit here with this team and think that they're like a legitimate contender, but they're five and one. And now they've beaten at least a couple of what we expect to be decent football teams. It's been, they remind me of an old school kind of style of team. And when I say that, I mean, like I'm talking eighties where at the end of the game for the last couple of weeks, what's happened. They, they end up dragging on the clock. They run the ball. And they score one or two touchdowns late in the game, like in the third and fourth quarter, you know, two in the fourth against Green Bay running, right? Another one here where they're just going to kill the clock and they're going to play solid defense when they need to and run the ball well and sprinkle in the pass when they have to. But the, the, the fact that they're like, hey, we're tied and we're just going to or we're down by five and we're just going to run the ball down and score like that's the kind of stuff that I love seeing out of teams and you know, that that's something that we haven't really seen the NFL. Like that was last week and they were down five and they go down and score or uh, maybe two that they, they, they didn't, they didn't even need, they could have kicked a field goal, but guess what? They go down and score this week against the Ravens. Same deal. They could have got down and tied. They scored, right. They're finding ways at the end of games to win running the ball. And it just seems like this is a team straight out of the eighties. And I don't know how much longer this can go to your point, Jeff, because eventually you're going to go up against a high flying offense, but their next four games are the Jags, who are coming into their own a little bit. Seahawks, who I have no idea how they're playing so well in the quarterback spot. <laughs> Texans and Lions. So they have four winnable games coming right up. And I don't think we're going to say after any of those games that we know who New York is either. So this team is going to end up having, you know, 10 games under their belt. And we're going to be like, who the hell are they? Yeah. Which is wild, you know? Yeah, they could be nine and one. Yeah, like based off that stretch. Yeah, but I, to be fair, you could say that about most of the NFC teams that are that are in contention right now. 
and I think that's where the difference is between the NFC and the AFC. But you're right, though, man. Like the the stuff Daniel Jones is doing game management wise, uh, and then making the the it's not even making the passes, uh, sprinkling them in when they need them. It's that he's connecting and making them on clutch situations, right? A lot of these are on on second and mid, third down when they need to get to manageable situations, and or on fourth down when they need a conversion, um, and, and or inside the red zone. Uh, it, it's been it's been fun to watch, especially because uh, you know that kind of quarterback play is is hard to come by uh, in, in the in the NFL. And look, nineteen of twenty seven for one seventy nine is not going to blow anyone away, but it's. It's what you did in that nineteen of twenty-seven, right? Yeah, uh, and, and so that's huge. And then again, like the the, it goes back to the coaching too, and uh, and the Penn State degree that Saquon got the smarts to be able to to slide on that play and not go into the end zone, give Lamar Jackson the ball back. Uh, I mean, they would have been up eleven with like a minute and a half left. So, like, I do respect the slide play. You never know. I know you never know. We saw that exact same thing happen with Cleveland and uh, yep. was it Cleveland or no Pittsburgh and the Jets earlier this year. But yep. and then the other thing for me with the Giants too is the way that the defense has been playing. Like I, they're playing way above what what I thought they would, especially on the defensive line. Kayvon Thibodeau has really starting to to to, to shine uh, yeah. on this defensive line. That fumble that that he caused uh, in, late in the fourth quarter, uh, just an electric like under the lights, uh, prime time kind of play. Uh, and that's what he did at Oregon. Yeah. Uh, so to see him do it in the NFL the, is huge. It's the Wink Martindale effect too. I mean, like yeah. bringing him in, he's, he's, he was a, what, 10 years, 12 years with the Ravens before he left this past off season. Now he's the defensive coordinator for the giants. Like he did that his whole career, taking guys yeah. and elevating their talent or guys who are at the end of their line and getting the most out of them. Because you look at this New York defense and like, Adoree Jackson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams. That's pretty much it for names that you would recognize. Mm-hmm. Everyone else are, are virtually like kind of no-name guys who he's gotten the journeyman. most out of. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's it says a lot about them. And I will say the Wink Martindale versus Lamar Jackson kind of situation is interesting because they went up against each other in practice for – you know, the first five years of Lamar's career. So at least he had, he had some, a little bit of familiarity, I would say, uh, Mm -hmm. going up on, on having a way to try to slow them down. So I don't know. I mean, look, the Seahawks offense can, they they can score points, right? That they can be dangerous. The lions can score points, but to your point, Vito, I did the same thing you did. I was looking at their schedule (laughs) after those four games, they have Dallas Philly and then or Dallas, Washington, Philly, and then they play the Colts as one of their tough teams, and they play Minnesota as one of their tough teams, and that's it. You get the Eagles twice, you have Dallas one more time, and then Indy and Minnesota. Everyone's talking about how easy the Eagles' schedule is. The Giants might be easier down the remaining stretch here, which Mm -hmm. is probably going to set them up to have a really good record by the end of the year because the stuff that they're doing translates, right? They've done it against different teams and different styles of quarterbacks and different offenses and different – they – it. It translates from team to team. You you win the offensive line, you win the line of scrimmage, you run the ball effectively, and you make life easier for your quarterback who's struggled over the last couple of years. So, yeah, I, I, and credit to them. But to Baltimore side, which I feel like that's where you're going there, Vito, or did you have something else on the Giants? I was just going to say one last thing is Andrew Thomas coming back after 
like he was drafted a couple of years ago. He has been the best tackle in football and mm-hmm. it's been incredible to see Evanio hasn't been the same. He's actually been pretty inconsistent to say the least, but like the giants are headed in right. a direction that I like. <laughs> and on the flip side, to your point that helped them, um, you know, not give up as many sacks as they probably could have because this Ravens team, we know can get after it, but this is now that they're three and three, it's like, who are they? Yeah. I'm starting to question. We know who their offense is, I, but they were supposed to have this stringent defense that now, you know, I mean, they've been in some lower scoring games, but they're still giving up 42 to the dolphins a few weeks ago. Right. They give up 26 to the Patriots. Um, when like, and obviously 24, of the giants, they're, they're not keeping it super low and just con- I would say possessing the ball turnovers have been a little bit of an issue for the Ravens. It's a weird squad right now. I, mean, I do. I think they're going to make the playoffs and make a run. Yeah. But going three and three, like season can fall apart pretty easy here. That's exactly what it is. But they're, they're a weird team, right? You look at the games that they've played, the games that they should have won, the games that they did win, ones that they've lost, like they're kind of all over the place and they've looked unbelievably dynamic at certain points. And then they've looked very pedestrian on offense the last couple of weeks. And I feel like we're hmm. starting to feel the effect of what we talked about coming into the season, which was, there are no real offensive weapons other than Mark Andrews. Like this is a perfect team for Robbie. Uh, yeah. Robbie Williams or Anderson. Thank you. Robbie Anderson, uh, Anderson to have come to right? a solid possession receiver, someone that can at least be another consistent weapon. Bateman has flashed. Devin Duvernay's flashed. We've seen moments where those guys have made plays. Um, JK Dobbins getting banged up in this game and kind of re-injuring that hamstring doesn't hurt. Doesn't help either. But Lamar's reluctance to run the ball and take over games, and I don't know if that's by choice, if that has anything to do with the weight that he put on this offseason, but he's definitely not as explosive as a runner as he's been. And the offense still just kind of looks like a shittier version of what they've been before with flashes of Lamar still being that guy that can hang 40 on you. Oh, so like a Harbaugh offense. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) To some degree. But, I mean, the AFC North is wide open, man. Absolutely wide open. I mean, Cincinnati's yeah. three and three. I mean, the Steelers aren't out of it. No. I mean, the, the Bengals are two and four. The Never Bang- are. <laughs> the, I'm sorry. The Browns are two and four. The Bengals are three and three. The Steel uh, the Steelers are two and four, and then the Ravens are three and three. So, who the, who the hell knows who's going to come out of that division? But um, it seems like a classic AFC North. Uh, especially let's when go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to especially when like this is exactly what the Browns wanted when they got to Sean Watson was to be in it at least towards the end. So. That's true. That's true. Uh, let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals here. Big, big bounce back win against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, another super weird team, obviously with no uh, James Winston. It's this pseudo combination of uh, Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill, and it's just kind of a weird offense. Uh, Alvin Kamar got going on the ground a little bit in this game. But this was a big game for the Bengals, right? Uh, they were able to move the ball from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. They scored points the entire game. They moved the ball. The defense played better. The offensive line finally starts to look a little more cohesive. Uh, and this is with a banged up T Higgins too, who still had a decent day in his own right. Uh, but getting Jamar chase going, getting him this ball in space, letting him, I mean, he broke off the one big touchdown uh, catch and run, which was huge for them. Uh, and it was in the return of first time burrow and chase had been back since the uh, national championship game. at yeah. LSU. Did you, did you see those cops? Like of their stats in that in the yeah. national championship game, and then what they did this past Sunday. That's yeah, you so think, it was wild. How you close they, it was. <laughs> you like you think they like playing in New Orleans? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if they want to go play for the Saints, that'd be fun. 
Uh, I don't know. I think they're I think they're doing all right in Cincinnati right now. I don't know how quick Cincinnati would be to make that trade, but uh, this just felt like a big bounce back game. Um, I don't know. I feel like the Bengals are ultimately by season's end going to be kind of similar to what they were last year, which is I think they'll probably get to that like 10 win mark, probably find their way into the back of the playoffs and then they'll be a dangerous team. Uh, th- but this was a good sign and that the offense finally looked like it was clicking a little bit. You know, Burrow looked good. Um, they were able to move the ball pretty comfortably 300 yards through the air for him. Uh, and then yeah, getting Jamar chase going too. I mean, this offense, similar to what we were talking about with Rogers and Devontae Adams, like it kind of starts with the two of them, but T Higgins is also so freaking dynamic and Tyler Boyd's been honestly, I think arguably their most consistent receiver this year. Um, I don't know. I, I, how do we feel about the Bengals after week six? Because it feels like they've turned a corner a little bit after the slow start, but it's still a long season. Uh, that's why I think being even, you're okay. If you're the Bengals, you know the run you went on towards the end of the year last year. No need to panic, right? You beat the Saints. That's good. You're back to three and three. Um, I, I think you're feeling pretty comfortable knowing that you've got a Falcons game up here that, and, and a Panthers in a couple weeks. Um, you do have some divisional games coming up. So Browns and Steelers, you got to take care of those. And I think they could go on a little run here. I think that's what, if I'm, you know, a fan, I'm looking at, all right, we have a run here. We have a bye week coming up in between Panthers and Steelers. This next third of the season, right? Now that we have 18 weeks, it's kind of into thirds a little bit easier than, than quarters. And I think this next third, they could really make a run. Like if we're coming out now and we're in late November and we're being like, all right, Bengals are poised to make another deep run. They play a lot of tough teams at the end of the year, the bills, the chiefs Ravens, like they're going to have some tough ones. If they can take care of this middle third, they'll be in a good spot. Um, If they don't, I don't think they're going to go on as lucrative of a run as they did last year at the end. So I think it's kind of do or die for the next six weeks for them. They need to look at this. Like it's the rest of their season. Yeah. And I'm still not thrilled on, on defense. They're letting up way too many explosive plays. Um, even the saints had, had a couple that it was just like, does anybody know how to tackle on this defense or, uh, but so that's got to get cleaned up. And then the other on offense is like, the question I would pose is, are you a better team when Jamar's the guy, or are you a better team on offense when T Higgins is the guy? Because the mismatch usually comes with T Higgins and Jamar's getting double teamed. That's what we've seen through most of the first six games. But to me, Jamar Chase is the better option for at least for Joe Burrow. I'm not saying that if it were any other quarterback, it would be a different story, but at least for Joe Burrow, that connection needs to be what drives the offense. And that's what we saw last year at toward the, or down the stretch. It was like him and Burrow. And then you throw Higgins in there and then Boyd has his big game. Uh, But, but all three of those guys are, are doing everything and it all runs through Jamar Chase and that got the Joe Mixon going too. So I think it needs to run through him. Uh, through chase and, and, and because I think that their, their offense is that much better uh, when he's the, the guy. I would, I would push back on that a little bit, which I'm not saying the offense isn't better when Jamar chase is getting, putting up a bunch of numbers. Cause obviously it is, but remember both of them had over a thousand yards receiving last year. Yeah. And yeah, Jamar chase had like, what was it 17, 1800 total. Right. And, and T Higgins had like just a little over a thousand. So yes, Jamar chase was the more factor guy, but they need both of them to be really good they both kind of have to be the guy right or at least share some version of that because they make each other better right when t higgins is healthy and and becomes a consistent factor which when he's been healthy this year he has been 
But when he's healthy and being a consistent factor, it makes it so much easier for Jamar Chase to get opportunities to break big plays. The lack of pushing the ball downfield, I think, is the biggest concern with this offense right now. I think they're towards the bottom of the league and average depth of target, like Burrow's not airing it out like he did last year, which that was kind of what made this offense so much fun and so explosive was, but that's kind of been a consistent theme around the NFL where a lot of teams kind of learned with what people did against um, Kansas city, which was, Hey, this year, Tyreek Hill's not beating us uh, over the top, right? If they're beating us, they're beating us over the middle. And now with so many explosive and insanely talented wide receivers in the NFL, a lot of defenses are playing these two deep high shell coverage, um, you know, zone setups and, it makes it really hard to throw the ball deep. And I think that also takes a little bit of the, the fear away from a guy like Jamar Chase, who for as ungodly talented as he is, if you can't break the big play, he needs to have that opportunity to, you know, like he, that's what really made this offense so explosive last year. Um, I don't know if they're going to get back to that, but if they can adjust to the way the teams are playing them this year, which it seems like this was the first time that they really did a good job of doing that. And they were able to move the ball. Well, they were able to run it a little bit Burrow escaping using his legs to pick up some big yardages too. That's going to make, yep. The touchdown run was huge for them. Um, That's what's going to keep this team, um, you know, in, in relevancy, but also as a potential, you know, like not one (laughs) of the best teams in the AFC, but definitely they have a good chance to win this division. Um, The saints. I don't think the saints are all that, worth talking about right now. Um, I just want them to keep losing because I want their first overall pick. So uh, <laughs> so let's uh, transition now. The last four games here all were pretty uh, boring. There's not a whole lot to get to. Um, but one, including the Super Bowl champs from last year, Carolina, the Rams. This question is more centered around the Rams as opposed to the game itself. But are the Rams – would you put the Rams in that same category with Green Bay and Tampa Bay? I mean, they're all they're all three and three. I think if, they're a if tier you, up. I think they're yeah. one tier up because they've had tougher opponents. Um, they've also maybe maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I think that they're a team. We saw Allen Robinson finally start getting going this week. Mm-hmm. I think they're start like we knew this was going to take a bit, and it, I think it was so surprising last year when Stafford came in and they were just like immediately an elite offense, right? And they won a Super Bowl. It's incredible. But now we're finally seeing like, all right, you're adding new pieces. It sometimes it takes time. It didn't last year, but for whatever reason, it is a little bit this year. Um, I think they'll be okay. I think if they replayed some of the games, they like, all right, losing to the Ram or to the Bills. Okay, Bills are probably better than you, right? Niners, you probably should have won that one. Cowboys, only scoring ten is embarrassing. Let's see if they can get this going. They play the Niners again next week. Is that right, Scotty? Or it's two weeks. Uh, so they have a bye, and then they go play the the. Um, they get the Niners at home. Um, then they get the Bucks. So there's a couple tests they're going to see here. If they can replay the Niners better and learn from their mistakes and beat the Bucks, or then ha- go into that Bucks game at least with a winning record, I think we'll see them be okay. I think that it lightens up at the end of the year. They play teams like my Broncos, who suck, and uh, I-, I think they'll make it. But I think they're one tier above. If they lose the next two games, I think they get knocked down to that tier of what the hell is going on. Hands, yeah. the, the glass is flipped on the panic button, ready to hit, right? It's not there yet. But those other teams have flipped that glass open, and mm-hmm. they're ready to hit the panic button. And yeah, uh, if, that's where they're at. If you had asked me a week ago, I would have said yes, because I, I did not believe in whatever any of the offense. I'm, I'm taking all bias out of it, okay? 
Just this is not Scott, the 49ers fan. This is Scott watching football. Okay. That offense was like absolutely nothing to me besides Cooper Cup. Like nothing. Nothing was working. Nobody else was getting involved. No run game. Couldn't move the ball. The offensive line looked terrible. And on the defensive side of the ball, I wasn't thrilled either. Like the, the fact that that they have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey is great, but nobody else on that side of the ball is playing really well. Um, and so I think uh, that both of those things need to change. And we saw a lot more of it on offense. Uh, I, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt on defense. That's one of the best defenses on paper still in the NFL. And yeah, it's, it's the Panthers, right? Like the Niners did the same thing to the Panthers last week on defense uh, and, and we're banged up. So uh, like, I, I'm not, I'm not overly thrilled the offense. It's great that, that they're getting, it's not great as a Niners fan, but it's great, you know, for them that they're getting uh, more people involved. I, this is the Allen Robinson, everybody on the, in the Rams organization wanted to see. That's why they went out and got him. Uh, and I think, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I think it's a trust thing. Uh, that's been building up with Matt Stafford. And uh, and I think that's come to fruition a little bit. The fact that they don't have Cam Akers in the run game hurts a little bit, but Daryl Henderson Jr. looked pretty solid yesterday uh, on the ground as well. So, oh, and Cam Akers supposedly requested a trade. Uh, yeah. And he's not happy there. So that's, that's a big crazy. part of this. Um, I think this team is incredibly mediocre. Um, I don't I don't think they're – I honestly, I, I, I think Thank they you. will. I think they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, part of that – Oh no, that I, would be I, awful. I if you did, think that, Jeff, you should bet because I bet that line is pretty good still. Probably with how wide open the AFC yeah. West or NFC West is. Um, I didn't feel that way until they lost their fourth starter from the offensive line. <laughs> Left tackle Torres Achilles is done for the year. Um, they have one opening day starter on their offensive line, none of which are looking to return anytime soon. So already this team's operating out of a out of a deficit, right? Cam Akers, I think, is the most talented back they have there. He's clearly not happy with his role in the offense. Um, and they've been using their running backs very weirdly this year, and they have been since week one. This week, with no Cam Akers playing and taking time away from the team, obviously it was like, all right, well, it's, we have Daryl Henderson, so you're getting everything, Daryl Henderson. He had a nice day, but it's a really bad Panthers team that they're playing, right? Yeah. So when you're looking at this Rams team – I say it every year, man, like they'll win some games because I do think the skill guys, Cooper Cup, obviously is good. It was nice to see Allen Robinson look good. The defense, I mean, Bobby Wagner looks a step slower. Um, he's, he's still doing the fundamental things and racking up a lot of tackles, but he's clearly, he's a step behind what he used to be. He's not the impact player that he was. Um, the guy who's in yeah. there where you noticed him, like he kind of fades into the game. Whereas when he was in Seattle, he, jumped off the screen like everyone would yeah. be like if you could you could never watch football before and so show somebody a game when he was in seattle and immediately they'd be like oh who's that guy like, and his game. best tackle of the year was on a streaker so yeah yeah exactly um which he's now being sued for apparently um i don't think this defense is particularly good again three of the four starters out yeah. in the secondary leonard floyd they gave a contract to he's been down this year uh and other than aaron donald like aaron donald will beat some double teams i said this last week but if you double team him on every single snap, you're still going to win the majority of those snaps against him. Uh, yeah. Which is and crazy uh, to say that there's a player that even exists where that's true. <laughs> that, 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 that player could be double teamed on every single snap and he still will win and disrupt the game a good amount. But that's kind of where we're at with Aaron Donald and, and this team where it's, it seems like it's Donald and Ramsey 
and then a whole lot of nothing else. And even, on, on even addition Ramsey, to that, I'm not thrilled with. They're still the defending champs. So they're but, still going to get everyone's best effort in every single game that they play. Yeah. I will say, I, I liked what Bobby Wagner's brought. I think he's played pretty solid in the middle. But outside of those three, it's been uh, yeah, and I it's agree. Been like, disappointing. He's been solid. He's just not the game changer he used to be. And that was right, more the point right. of making, which is like, he's fine. He's, he's a probably good. middle of the road middle linebacker still right now uh, in his like 10th year. But He's not the dude who was like, should have been, should have multiple defensive player of the years because of how fucking good he was in Seattle. He's nowhere close to that guy anymore. Um, and they, but they knew that bringing him in. But I think to Scotty's point, that's just kind of indicative of where this defense is as a whole. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of out on the Rams and I think it's really hard to defend. I think they've had a bunch of injuries. The offensive line losing note boom on on sunday was a huge huge loss to an already banged but, up all and even one. even before that though i was like it's wild how much of a difference andrew whitworth made huh like yeah, yeah. just an experience and being able to set that anchor as as, as an offensive tackle and leader and just being like demeanor is good Th- yeah. that's what all right if i if i um, throw one question at you before we move on if you could pick the year we all know what's going to happen because the the they keep trading their future away for picks and they did it last year they did it again what year does this kind of spiral out and, and fade where, where you have too many contracts. You have too much dead cap. You're not, you're paying all these guys, their money. You still have the big names that you have, but at what point does this fall apart? Cause I don't think it's this year, but I think within like no. two to three years, they're going to be, yeah, in, I was, in, I was, was going to say 2024. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say in other words, the year that Sean McVay leaves coaching to get into broadcasting for like a year and then goes yeah. back to it. And then goes that, back yeah. to coaching. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, Honestly, I think 2024 is a good is a good. I mean, next year will be interesting. Um, now, again, like the manipulation of the cap and everything is huge, and they've they've yeah. been able to make moves, and they're really good at that. And but they have they've they've traded away all their assets, so they're not going to be getting better through the draft. So they're going to have to continue to spend money. And look, Kroenke will do that. You know, like that's that's kind of shit that he's always done. Like he's always been willing willing to spend the money. So they'll go after guys, but I think a lot of that too, Vito, will come down to how long is Stafford playing at a high level, right? Do we see Before he goes to the Colts? Yeah. Do we see Stafford as, you know, a guy like Rodgers who can play until he's 38? Because how old is Stafford now? 34, 35, 34? So, I mean, do we see another three years of him playing at a really high level? With his injury history and stuff. And it seems like he's playing through injury. This is 100% going to be like they finish 500 and miss the playoffs. And then a story comes out the day after their last game that says, you know, Matt yeah. Stafford's going in to get surgery on his elbow. Yeah, um, he which are, since he, October. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and he got a surgery back in the spring that they kept hidden until the start of the season. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of out on the Rams, but um, it's I just don't like. Well done, ever. Jeffrey. I don't like betting against Aaron Donald. I don't, I just, I don't like doing that. I love Aaron Donald. Uh, all right. A couple more games here to hit. Let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Um, yeah. How many more weeks till Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury gets fired? Over under two and a half. Over. Uh, I think, over. Yeah. I think they're going to keep him around. I think he's a guy who will get the benefit of the doubt from this owner, I believe for a little bit here, but um, I, I have a weird place in my heart for the Cardinals because to your point, they're not performing well. And they were one of the original franchises in the NFL, they're mm-hmm. actually Chicago Cardinals and yeah. they've moved around a lot. They're one of like the two or three left. And uh, it's just, 
it sucks because they're definitely don't feel like that. They've been trash for a little while besides like, you know, a couple of years here and there. I hope they get another chance, but man, this is starting to, uh, it's almost like they're as good as they were before and they're not getting better and they're, they're getting a little worse every time it seems, but I think over two and a half, but if it happens later this year, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I'm, I'm over that too, especially because they're just getting their best wide receiver back in D hop. He's coming back this week. So, and plus the fact that, that uh, Hollywood Brown's injury does not look great. He's going to miss probably a good chunk of time. Uh, if not the rest of the season uh, is the report. Uh, but getting D hop back is going to be huge for that offense. The one thing that they've done on offense this year, they've all played like Kyler. It's everybody run around in circles until somebody gets open and maybe you're not open. So Kyler keeps running. And it's just like, it's like if you put a normal, uh, a normal video speed and just fast forwarded it, that's what the Cardinals offense looks like. Everybody's running around uh, like chickens with their heads cut off with the, what's the, what's the song? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or or like the really fast paced one. (laughs) That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, he, the hamster dance would probably work for Kyler too. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, that's that to me is what that offense has been all season. Uh, whether it's because Kyler is like, give me the ball, um, I'm going to make the play, and and you know that could be it because that's what he's done his entire career. But he's holding the ball way too long, I think, uh, without making a, a clear decision on on uh, a definitive decision. Uh, and then, go ahead, Vito. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was I was going to switch to defense after this, so we can. I was going to switch to the other quarterback. So you go ahead. Okay, yeah, on defense, they're they're garbage. Like well, they're terrible on defense. Yeah, I was going to say because I want to I want to get my little two cents here on the Cliff Kingsbury thing. Yeah, uh, you know what you know what else their offense has been this year, Scotty? It's been bad. It's been pretty <laughs> yeah. fucking bad. All right. Uh, yeah. So apart from <laughs> my my visual and an audio medium, you're welcome. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> I I think cliff kingsbury is what he is i think he's probably a really really great offensive coordinator i think he's probably a great guy to have on your staff i think he's incredibly smart he obviously knows the game well i think he can develop good relationships with quarterbacks i don't think he's a great head coach he was not great at texas tech his career at texas tech was 35 and 40 right and then he goes to get the offensive coordinator job at usc for all of 60 seconds and then the Cardinals call and offer him the head coaching job after shift shafting fucking Steve Wilkes after one year, who ironically they are, uh, they played a few weeks ago um, with him in Carolina. So I don't know, man, like they play new Orleans on Thursday night this week. They play at Ugh, Minnesota the next week. And then it's home against Seattle. And then at LA home against the, the Niners chargers, uh, new England, Denver, Tampa oh, Bay, that- that Niners game is in Mexico City. Gotcha. Um, Even worse. <laughs> but either way, I don't see them winning more than three of their game of those games, and that's get you to Christmas. I, I think there's a really realistic chance if they lose back to back games against New Orleans and Minnesota, um, I I think we could see them then move on from Kingsbury. I can hmm. see it after if they lose to new Orleans on Thursday night on primetime and national television or national streaming, whatever we're going to call Amazon now. Um, I, I don't know, man, that could be enough. It, it, at this point they made their decision, right? They gave Kyler the contract. So if, if they yeah. move on from anyone, it's Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. Very true. Do I think two and five is enough to fire your head coach? Not necessarily because you're right. They are going to get D hop back. 
But D-Hop's not enough to fix their problems, man. It's just not. There's no co- – to your point, Scotty, there's no cohesion in this yeah. offense. There's, there's nothing cohesive about it at all. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not high on them. Um, let's, Especially let's, after you get – like Brown goes out and you traded for him because he had familiarity with Kyler from college. Right, and yeah. With that and he gone. looked pretty good. It, it like, was, that was a good connection, right? That yeah. was a good move by the GM, but, hey, if it doesn't work It works better than I thought. I still don't think it was worth giving up a first-round pick for. No. But uh, the fact that no... you guys got Brown for a first round pick and they got a di- the worst Marquise Brown. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We they definitely got, got the better Brown. Brown. You guys got AJ Brown. Both, both on my picks. fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs> Part of that also came oh. with us paying. Part of the, the deal was predicated on us giving AJ Brown the extension. But yes, yeah, uh, after what we've seen, we'll do that. I do that a million <laughs> times out mm-hmm. of a million. Um, let's talk quickly about Seattle. Um, I love Gino. I love this team. I'm sorry, Scotty. I fucking love Seattle. Yeah. I love Seattle. It's It's hard for me. It's cool what they're doing, like with what they have versus what they're doing. It's, it's fun as a football fantasy. I just hate that. It's that team. It's just wild for me because like the whole narrative, right. Was like, all right, Pete Carroll wants to go back to his style of football and we'll see how that goes. And Russ is going to leave and do wondrous things in Denver. And so far Pete Carroll's looked pretty smart right now. And, uh, Uh, and K-Dub three looks amazing. Yeah. Like we talked about Brees Hall. As a as a rookie running back, like he Kenneth Walker the third looks unreal good at the running back spot. But Huge the, fantasy pickup on the waiver wire last week for your boy. Just saying, love it. Uh, that's I drafted him in a league and just kept him the whole time. Think you want to trade? Or, uh, well, what sucked is I hate to bring up our fantasy league on the podcast, but just real quick, whoever had him in our league dropped him last Sunday morning. Oof! And then Richard Penny gets hurt. Oh my god! And I was like, Woof. yo, not great. Sorry. Um, so the only thing I was just going to mention right now, actively right now, Geno Smith is number two and quarterback rating in the NFL. Or but he's one rating. going into the game. What happened? Yeah. Josh Allen <laughs> happened, uh, which okay. will happen, but he's above <laughs> Mahomes. He is in between That's Josh wild. Allen and Pat Mahomes. There is like, that is the definition of efficiency. If he can keep playing this way, which I think all of us are, no, this is playing out of his mind right now. But if this is his game and this keeps happening, damn right this team has a chance to win this division well i mean i'll tell you what dude like i I, honestly (laughs) i don't i don't think you're wrong Vito. and the thing is too like last week arizona put up was it 17 points against the eagles the the seahawks defense played really fucking good and they're really young they're really really young so they have some young talent there um they have a couple guys like your boy from denver they got in the trade shelby harris who's been a nice addition on the defensive line but they're a young team. They have a couple of guys who look to be like really good. Kobe Bryant from uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, an up their and down. secondary is really good. But I he's mean, Tariq in, Woolen too. Well, Tariq Woolen is the, is by far the best rookie defensive player I think we've seen so far this year. I mean, he's got what like four interceptions through six Dude, they, games. They they were comping. I don't know if you saw on the on the game broadcast, uh, but it happened to be up while, while Red Zone was on. They were comping him to Richard Sherman. Yeah, because uh, they were both like fourth round picks. Uh, they were both wide receivers Similar, that converted yeah. in college. Bigger to, guys too. Yeah, yeah but his coverage guys. numbers like, like are on par with like almost like James Bradbury's right now. Not quite to Darius Slay's level. Like some of the QB or cornerback metrics oh, are yeah. like Darius Slay number one, and then Tariq Woolen number two, and then Kobe Bryant on the other side, who was a what third or sixth round pick. I forget when they drafted him. He's nice. been really solid too. So they're yeah. young, but they're talented. I, and I think they're only going to get better as the season goes on. Like I know this offense has looked 
for, for Arizona has looked a bit all over the place, but they still have a lot of speed and Kyler still just makes plays to hold them to only nine points is actually really impressive because at the very least, they typically score a couple of touchdowns and they were flying around the field. So yeah, Seattle winning the division is definitely not out of the conversation. I think San Francisco, I think San Francisco should be the favorite for the rest of the year. Um, But who knows, man, with the NFC being as wide open as it is, Seattle, Atlanta, those teams could find themselves in the playoffs. It wouldn't be that crazy. I agree. Um, All right, let's move on here. Jacksonville, Indianapolis, uh, the Jags seemingly, I feel like the Eagles kind of broke. I feel like the Eagles kind of broke the Jags a little bit. Right, they were uh, on that little up. They, yeah, they were a bit ready. they're up 14 nothing Since the second quarter in Philadelphia, the Jags have not quite looked like the same team. They played pretty well in this game. Um, Matt Ryan, 58 pass attempts. Uh, just, it, it was so funny. Like, they did so, and they have Jay, Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, and they're like, hey, we got, like, one of the best Please. running backs in football. Let's just throw it a million times. It's because Taylor's been out. <laughs> But even Dion, I thought uh, I thought he played this week, or was that uh, no? He didn't he, play. He was still out. Back but, no, he's still out. Oh, okay. But but it's, there's another thing. They went all out to the air, had this game won. But on the flip side, Trevor Lawrence was twenty of twenty two, touchdown, no pick, uh, played well, and the fact that they couldn't win with that, like the, the good they thing ran is the Trevor ball Lawrence really well too. Well, yeah, they ran the ball really well. I love, dude. This this. Uh, the I think he's a rookie, Jamichael Hasty. Great football name. No, he's, he's he, been around he was for on the long. Niners. Was on, yeah, I was gonna say he was on the Niners. There he was like Scotty. the year that the Niners had like five different running backs because they all just yeah. kept getting hurt. He was one of their guys. I love it because that's um, a great name, and he had a, a beautiful run for a touchdown there. They seem to be putting it together. Trevor Lawrence had two more touchdowns on the ground. Like they, they seem to have enough, but their defense let him down this time, which really I don't know what's gonna happen on that secondary side because they're starting to look bad. I mean. It's one of those thoughts where they want to be where they're at if it happened, but man, it would be sick if this team got uh what's his face back out of out of LA. Um Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey. Jaylen? If they had yeah. Ramsey still, this team would be fun as hell to watch. Uh it is dude, crazy, thing, dude. Because they the, would the, the Jacksonville secondary's got like got lit up this week. And by I mean Michael Pittman Jr. is good, but like Paris Campbell having 57 yards and a touchdown on seven catches, right? Like, yeah, I don't Alec knock Pierce that. He's had a rough, uh, rough career. Still, uh, and, and yeah, Paris exactly, exactly. And he's lighting it up against Jackson. Dion. Well, I mean, Dion rough with Jackson, like injuries and stuff. Dion Jackson had a great game. Like out of nowhere. Like I had to out look. Of Duke. I, I, yeah. Well, no, I mean, like coming out of nowhere. Like I had to look him up. Like I didn't even know who the fuck the guy was, honestly. Um, Jelani, Phil Lindsay is their number two. Yeah, Jelani. <laughs> Jelani Woods, the tight end out of UVA, who's actually been kind of fun for them. He's just this massive lumbering giant who runs around the field and catches touchdown passes. But they did it against, you know, with like Michael Pittman Jr. as a stud. But other than that, like they didn't have a whole lot of weapons there in Indianapolis in the passing game. And yet they threw for almost 400 yards. This Jacksonville secondary is definitely not great. And it's important to remember, too, they're still a young team, right? If Jacksonville ends the yeah. season with, like, seven wins, if they go seven and ten, eight and nine, that's a really good year for a team that is trying to yeah, reverse a culture sure. that definitely left its stank on there. And I think Frank Reich might have just saved his job with this game, too. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> At least in the short <laughs> I mean, term. he the seat was, was approaching super hot. Um, yeah. It was, it was approaching Jimmy Garoppolo levels uh, of hotness. And uh, so, look, I, I think that um, I think that 
the a lot of of the hype around the Jaguars was real. Uh, but the problem is that on on both sides of the ball, it's the defensive breakdown. And the thing was, we we had a, a bit of a mirage there through the first four games where they were the top scoring defense in the National Football League, and everybody's going, "What? How? Who? What?" They pitched a shutout against the same Colts a couple of weeks ago, uh, and so. You know, for 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 it to break down that much over the past two weeks, I think. Um, well, and it was the twenty-eight point shocker against the Chargers too. Like that was, yeah. But that was also the Chargers' like first game without, and Rashawn Slater gets knocked out of that game. Like that was a weird game. No Keenan Allen, so it was a little misleading to see them just put it on the Chargers like that. Uh, and then yeah, they lose to Philly the next week uh, mm-hmm. after blowing the fourteen nothing lead, and then. Houston, which is a weird thing, and then Indianapolis. They have the Giants this week. I, I mean, that who knows? That could be a fun game, right? If there's one thing I know right now with the NFL is to expect the unexpected. Um, I would like to see the Jags do a little bit better, but we'll we'll see. Uh, any other thoughts on that game before we move on to the last one? Matty Ice. Matty That's Ice. It. He's back. Uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, Vikings, Dolphins. Dolphins now three consecutive games where they ended with a different quarterback than they started the game with. Um, it was Tua that then went to Teddy Bridgewater, and then it was Teddy Bridgewater that went to Skylar Thompson, and then this week it was Skylar Thompson that then went to Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the Vikings at 5-1. and one. Who's the worst 5-1 and one team, the Vikings or the Giants right now? Because I think it's closer than people want to want to say. Because I it- – I think it depends on the time of day. If it's a 1 p.m. kickoff game, <laughs> I'm taking the Vikings. Any other time, I'll take the Giants. I don't know they what Kirk Cousins has. They both won in London. Has. That's they such a great take. London, though. Oh, yeah. That's because, again, they love those early games, man. I just don't know. Kirk Cousins at 2.30 is the best version of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Kirk Cousins in London is, they should, like, literally, he should be the one promoting a move to London. He's like 9.30 a.m. every Sunday. Let's go. He should just be the all-time QB for all of the London games. He that would be a great comp, and the other quarterbacks can just have a, a buy. Yeah, they don't that have to make the so trip. Fun. Just hey, Kirk Cousins is going to be your quarterback this week. Um, I'm sure yeah. Aaron Rodgers He's probably ran that. your offense at one point. It's gonna. <laughs> yeah, I honestly do. I don't think the Vikings are good. I don't. I think the Giants are a better football team than the Vikings. Wow, I was the stats the are misleading too, right? Like in this well, game, Teddy Bridgewater had 300 yards passing. Tyreek Hill had 177 yards receiving. <laughs> and they lose. Yeah. Like, and Justin Jefferson didn't have that great a game. He had over a hundred yards, but he only had seven catches. That's, that's a down game for him. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's three turnovers. That's the game. And yeah. 10 penalties for the dolphins to not play a clean game at all. That happens when you bring in all these backups at key positions. Man, I don't know. I think the Vikings are to your point, they're beating teams. They should. And I don't know if, like, again, we know a lot about them. We thought they were good when they beat the Packers and Eagles stomped them out on that one uh, Monday night game. And then really after that, they've they've won by a touchdown or less in every game. Well, so, and to, to not good teams. Like, they should have lost against Detroit. They came back at the last second. They should have lost against New Orleans if it wasn't for the double doink. They, yeah. sh- they almost lost to Chicago and arguably should have lost that game. And then they were they let Miami in this game way too long, and it was still a one-possession game. And even the Green Bay win, despite them getting off to that fast start in that game, they didn't look great. So they played one good team, and they got fucking curb-stomped by Philly. Now, look, Philly was on fire that night. I don't think anybody could have gone into that place and, and won that game with that Monday night game in Philly with the anticipation and the hype and everything around it. But I, I just – I don't know. I mean, we'll see that Arizona, 
obviously um, they play Arizona They're I think they're on a buy. Yeah. They're on a buy this week. Um, then they have Arizona. Then they're at Washington. Then they have Buffalo, Dallas, New England, New York jets, that four game stretch, which is weird to incorporate the, to, to add the New York jets into there. Um, but that four game stretch to me is going to be, that will tell me whether they're a good team or not, because I don't know, like they, they should beat Arizona. Um, they should beat Washington. They should lose to the Buffalo. They probably should lose to Dallas. They probably should lose to New England. Uh, I think I would pick the other team in all three of those games if those were playing this weekend. The Jets, yeah, I'd probably pick Minnesota. But I, I think this is I think this is like a ten and seven or a nine and eight team in disguise as a five and one team. You know, even if you go three and th- five hundred in those games, you're three and three over that six game stretch. You're still you still have eight wins. Oh yeah, and I mean they're in the driver's seat to win the AFC yeah. North or NFC North, no question. No question about that, but I, I still don't think they're a good football team, you know, but that's also the weirdness of the NFL this year, because it's like, I, who is a good football team? It's yeah. like, none of us really fucking know. I think if they can stay healthy on their skill players, they have enough, they have enough to like compete with a lot of teams, which is the good news. There are some sneaky games up there though. Like wash, well, Washington Carson once now he's going to be out for four to six weeks. They said, I think they're going to be better. Sam Howler, Tyler Henneke, whoever's coming in. Taylor I, I really like their defense. They have two of the best safeties rated in the NFL right now. Their, their secondary is better than people think. I think it'll cause a little bit of fits. I mean, they still have Justin Jefferson. It's kind of the cheat code for offenses. Yeah. But yeah. I, Well, so they play <laughs> – Minnesota plays New York on Christmas Eve, the Giants, and I mm. so badly wish that game was coming up this weekend. Like, can we, can so we call great. the league and get that changed up and have them play each other this weekend? Just a little flex. Right, yeah. yeah. Can we just flex that in because <laughs> – the the Giants and the the Vikings to me are like two teams. I just have no I just have no idea how to fucking read them, how to judge them. Um, but their record says they're four and one and are five and one. And you don't apologize for being five and one, right? You you're mm-hmm. right, as you said at the beginning, what Bill Parcells has said said for years, you are what your record says you are. But at the same time, I don't look at this team and feel they could beat anybody in the league and they could also lose to anybody in the league. But that's what they've been ever since Kirk Cousins has been there. That's what they were when Case Keenum was there. Yeah. <laughs> that's just who the Minnesota Vikings are. Um, but the record this year says otherwise, which is why it's it's interesting to see. But that being said, they've won a lot of the games that they normally in years past might have lost. So maybe that's yeah. the difference having Kevin O'Connell instead of. Um, well, that's yeah. They were saying face? that Mike Zimmer, all the all those one score games that uh, that they've had, you know, they they I think they said the record was like twelve and. 15 uh, in those one score games since Kirk Cousins has been the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're three and oh this year. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, on the other side of that one, Miami, I mean, they're just kind of holding down the fort until Tua comes back. Um, but it even should when be Tua, next week, right? Yeah. I, I hopefully will be next week. Uh, whenever he does, I don't know. I still wasn't imp- that impressed with Tua for most of this year anyway. So maybe, maybe this will be the thing that gets me to fully buy on board. If, if they, if Tua comes back, and they completely turn around and look like the team that was, you know, what three and oh, four and oh, whatever they were. Um, three and oh, yeah, three and oh, yeah. Then, then maybe that'll be the thing that gets me turned around on, uh, on the Dolphins. But so far, I, uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Uh, all right. That's going to, uh, do it for the pod. Uh, ran a little bit long. So we're going to table the college football stuff for Friday's pod. Obviously, it was a phenomenal weekend. We'll get into Tennessee upsetting Alabama. Uh, unbelievable game there. TCU, Oklahoma State's tons of great stuff. Don't want to shortchange it by trying to squeeze it in here at the end of the pod. So 
Uh, for the boys, thank you so much for joining as always. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Friday to preview uh, week eight in college football, week seven in the NFL as the season is already flying by. So thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you guys then. And as always, take it easy, everybody. <laughs>